Right now in Australia, the state of Victoria is having their elections until 26 November. Victorians have been through some of the longest lockdowns, restrictions and mandates in the world, all because medical authorities would not allow proven natural prevention and treatment options to be used against COVID. Don't allow this to happen again. For freedom, prosperity and health, vote one for Dr. Isaac Golden and the Health Australia Party team. To find out more, listen to episode 126 of this podcast or visit www.healthaustraliaparty.com.au. Hello everyone, Eugenie here. Today I had an amazing interview with homeopath and author Ruth Hull. Uh, the conversation was super fun because we went into all sorts of different areas that I didn't think we would go into, but realized that this is actually very important for our listeners to know things such as what can you do to get the most out of your homeopathic consultation and what sort of information might be helpful. And Ruth also also shares a couple of amazing cases with us and um, how she got into specializing in chronic fatigue and helping her clients in that area. So Ruth is a homeopath here in Perth, and she trained as a homeopathic doctor and complementary therapist, and she's been helping people rediscover their energy and take back control of their health since 1999. You would definitely never say it because she only looks like a spring chicken herself. She is a picture of health. Uh, So she also teaches anatomy and physiology, and she runs postgraduate training courses for qualified complementary therapists or health coaches who wish to extend their skills. And yes, even I am going to be enrolling in her course next year for... um, anatomy and physiology so I'm very excited about that. So she has a fascination with the human body and a deep belief that we are created to heal ourselves and uh, she's written four books anatomy uh, on anatomy and physiology and pathophysiology as well as reflexology so you can find her books on Amazon or on her website and we'll link those in the show notes. So let's jump straight into the interview this was a real goodie. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout Podcast, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now, your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, everyone, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangout. Today, we are hanging out with homeopath and author, Ruth Hull. Welcome, Ruth. Hi, Eugenie. Thanks. Hi. It's so lovely to have you on here. We're both busy mums with busy practices, and we've been trying to catch up for ages. So this is very special to get to have uh, some time to chat with you because you've done so much, and I can't wait to delve into all of it. But before we dig in, tell us, how did you first discover homeopathy? Um, It's quite difficult to say. My mum always used it. So I grew up with homeopathy and natural therapies. When I was um, a child, if I was sick, we would go to bed. (laughs) We wouldn't really take any medication and we would drink tea. My mom's English, so we would drink a lot of tea and stay in bed. And then in my early 20s, well, I must have been about 1920, I bought myself one of those little Helios homeopathy kits for traveling. And I did um, a lot of traveling and I used that everywhere I went. I was just blown away by how powerful homeopathy was. Um, At one stage, we were in the Atacama Desert, and we were with somebody who had actually collapsed. He had completely um, gone unconscious because he had had such bad diarrhea and vomiting. Mm -hmm. And we were a long way away from any help. And there was a Bolivian doctor with us, and he got my homeopathy kit, and he got China. And we sat next to this guy and every now and then he'd just slip a little pill of China under this guy's tongue or just into his mouth because he was unconscious and the guy came around and he was fine and that was just, oh my gosh. <laughs> but 
that I am. Um, wow. And then I so used, much for placebo. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then I used. Um, I studied natural therapies, and but not homeopathy. And I practiced as a complementary therapist. And I had my children, and I used homeopathy for them. And it was only when my second daughter was two years old that I actually started studying homeopathy itself. Um, but I, yeah, so I've used it most of my life, and um, it's incredible. I love it. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Now, you're also a very well-published author, and I believe there's even more books in the pipeline. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what you've written about and, and um, how you came upon that? Yeah, I am... Um, before I studied complementary therapies, I studied uh, literature and philosophy. I, I've always been a little bibliophile. I love to read and I've, I've always loved to write. And then I've written four books. They're all health-related, two on anatomy, physiology, and pathology, because that's another love of my life. <laughs> I have many loves. Um, and two on reflexology. I wrote them 10 years ago. I just put out the second editions last year. And um, now I'm sort of, I would be lying if I said I was halfway through, I'm sort of still near the beginning <laughs> of a book on chronic fatigue and burnout. Um, Wonderful. Yeah. Is that something you see a lot of in your clinic? Yes, that's what I love. I love to work with patients who are struggling with fatigue, burnout, or insomnia. That's my main interest with, with homeopathy, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So how did that become a special interest for you and what sort of cases do you see and maybe some stories from the clinic? Yeah, it um, became a special, special interest because I personally have struggled with fatigue for years. I think um, trying to be a super mum and trying to do it all, I'm, a, I'm an overachiever. I, I just am. I always have been. I think Eugenie might be the same. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, I, yeah, I've always struggled with energies. Um, it's always just been a problem with mine, with me, and also sleep. I'm one of those people who lie awake at night, even now, still thinking of my clients or thinking, oh, should I have given them this remedy? Should I have given them that? Um, or work I've got to do. So it's... It's <laughs> <Sounding laughs> very familiar. <laughs> I'm familiar. It's been a long journey for me. I am... Um, but I did find, and I think this is when I really got into homeopathy and decided to study it, I found homeopathy was the only thing that really helped me. I um, used herbs for many years. I used a lot of different complementary therapies because that's what I worked in. Mm. But um, the deep, deep homeopathic remedies like carcinosin and ignatia, um, those are what um, just changed my whole energy, just shifted me. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what sort of cases do you see? Um, so what do you see in your clinic? And uh, do you maybe have some stories that you can share from the clinic, some some case studies? Yes, I see a variety of cases. Um, I'm surprised at how many teenagers I see with chronic fatigue. It's it's quite mm -hmm. heartbreaking, actually. Even um, I've, had, I've had two girls, 12 and 13 even, so young. Um, but the majority of people I see are... Um, people in their 40s, 50s who have kids, um, usually real A-type personalities, overachievers. On the outside, they're super successful, very, very successful in business, um, real go-getters. I have so much admiration for them, but they, they struggle with 
with their energy. And um, sometimes people end up in bed for months on end because they just can't get out. So it's, it's quite heartbreaking. But a lot of, um, I think a lot of fatigue stems from childhood, from trauma. So beneath a, a lot of um, these sort of great, big, um, successful facades is a lot of trauma. So that's what I, I love to mm. work with. And, um, yeah, I, I love how homeopathy – I'll just give you a little story. I had a, a client last year, and she came – because we sometimes it's not the traumas we think it is, um, and this is what surprises me. She came – she's in her late 50s, um, a beautiful woman, and she just came. She said, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm just not myself. I haven't been myself for a couple of years. I just don't have the energy to, to do anything anymore. So she didn't have your typical picture of burnout – but she just knew something was wrong. She had been to all her GPs and, you know, they had done all the tests and everything's fine. Maybe she needs antidepressants. And um, that's what a lot of GPs say. So I have a lot of clients who come and they say, I've been prescribed antidepressants, but I know I'm not depressed. I'm not depressed. I'm just tired. <laughs> and um, she physically, she just had a very, very red cheeks, like terrible red. It wasn't a rash. It was just this red dry skin dispersed on her cheeks, on the tops of her hands and the tops of her feet. It was really strange. I took her case and I said, have you lost anyone? Have you had any trauma? And she had lost her sister from cancer many years ago, but she felt she had dealt with it. She was actually a therapist herself and she said, no, I've, I've dealt with it. I'm fine. So I kept Delvin, with homeopathy, you always have to find the cause. <laughs> there's, there's always a cause somewhere. And we chatted for a while, and then um, she just she started telling me about so, – so I said to her, okay, just let's go back to your sister and just tell me more about what happened when she died. And she started talking about when she was in the hospital and how the staff there had made her feel a bit of an outsider – and she um, just suddenly burst into tears and she started crying like a, like a little child. She was just, mm. and she's like, I can't believe I've been crying like this. <laughs> I don't know what's, happened, what's wrong with me. But she cried and cried and cried. Um, in the room, I gave her Ignatia 10 in, and um, I didn't give her any other remedy. And then she came back a few weeks later. I wanted to see how she was. And she said to me, she felt amazing after she left my room. And she just felt so good that whole day. But she woke up the next morning feeling good, um, got into the shower. And she said she just broke down and started crying again. <laughs> and she cried and cried and cried. And um, she said after that, she looked in the mirror and the redness had gone. And she's never – so I saw her a few weeks ago. That's why she's in my mind. She came a few weeks ago, and it had been a, a, um, a year since I'd seen her, and she said she's never had the redness again. She um, – everything's changed. It was beautiful. She's, like, got so much energy. She's changed, She's left her job. She's changed a lot of things. But, um, yeah, so I, I love – I love it when I have clients like that. I don't always have such success. <laughs> um, sometimes it's a bit more difficult. Um, but, yeah, just one one powder, Ignatia 10 beautiful. and yeah, beautiful. That's such a beautiful case. Um, you've actually, as you were saying that, made me think of something. 
quite often clients will come in um, and they will be therapists themselves or they're people that have done a lot of work on themselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I also mostly treat mothers. And I think when you go on this journey of motherhood, there's I always say there's no better personal development course in the world than becoming a mother because it will challenge your (laughs) everything. It's the, you know, like a fast track personal development course. And so often these mums have done a lot of courses, they've done a lot of personal development, they've done meditation, they've seen therapists, they've seen psychologists, they've seen, you know, um, psychics, everything. And then we will ask them about something that's happened in their life and they'll say, oh no, I've dealt with that. But then as homeopaths, we always go back to that because the thing is, you might have dealt with it on like a mental level, but homeopathy, because it works energetically, you might think that you've dealt with that thing, but the remedy will get in there on an energetic level and remove that from your vital force, that yeah. shock, that fright, that trauma, that grief. And then, so I, I hear what you're saying and I can see these mums, they're reluctant to go there again because they feel they don't want to rehash what they've already done. And I always say to them, just humor me for a little bit. I know you've done a lot of work on this, but just tell me what happened a little bit more. And once you get that right remedy and it gets in there, it can be so profound, hey. But like you said, not all our cases are that easy. But we, I would say, I don't know, I would say 10% of my cases probably are like that. Yeah. But usually it's more, you know, follow-up after follow-up, just removing <laughs> those layers, working, doing some organ support, you know. Um, and you have a very special uh, arrow in your arsenal. And that is that you uh, are an integrative health coach as well. So tell me more about why you believe that's important alongside the homeopathy and, um, yeah, a little bit more about how you would uh, approach a case and your holistic approach that you use. Yes, so um, I had been practicing homeopathy only for a few years and I realized that clients come and they they keep coming regularly and they think that the pill is going to make them better. So whether they got, it's a herb or a pharmaceutical drug or homeopathic uh, remedy, they rely totally on the remedy and they, um, they don't take responsibility for their own health. And I, I saw this um, in particular with diabetes. When I worked in South Africa, I had a lot of clients who were diabetic and they would come regularly for their homeopathic remedies, which would help with their blood sugars. Um, I was practicing more clinically then, and um, they would keep coming back, and I would say to them every time, you've got to change the way you eat, you've got to cut out that cake, blah, blah, blah. Yes, Ruth, yes, yes, yes. And the next time they'd made no changes. Actually started really frustrating me. And um, that's when I realized it wasn't the clients, it was me, and it was the way I spoke to my clients. And um, so I studied health coaching and just a different way of of, spe- of working with your clients and, and making them responsible. And um, instead of trying to be responsible as a homeopath and um, making them realize that they, I, so I, I said this to you, you earlier, um, <laughs> and my clients hate it when I say it. And I know that if I was one of their clients, I would hate it as well. <laughs> I think we make ourselves sick and we keep ourselves sick. And it's the little things we do every single day at home that is either making us or keeping us sick. Mm-hmm. And so it's the little things that we need to change. So, th- so that's what I really focus on when I work with clients. Um, I'm always giving them homework and just little changes, little habits that they need to change or tweak. Not big things. I think if we try and change everything in one go, we won't have success. But... Um, yeah, if, if we make little, little changes and become responsible for our health 
and um, also just uh, very aware of our emotions and um, what we've been through in life instead of just ignoring everything as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You've just said that beautifully. I think um, whether it's uh, your health or your finances or your relationships or whatever, it's those tiny habits that we do that we build on and you know if you just do a tiny little change you look back over a month or a year or whatever they all build on each other but it can become really overwhelming if you have somebody with serious chronic health and they have to cut out the coffee they have to cut out the sugar they have to cut out you know this or that or the next thing all the cakes it can be really overwhelming but yeah making those little changes makes it seem a little bit more approachable hey yes yes mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah so um what inspires you about homeopathy? What do you like about being a homeopathic practitioner? What, what keeps you ticking? Oh, where do I begin? <laughs> um, I, I love the philosophy and the beauty and the art of homeopathy. Um, so I'm fascinated by the human body. I'm fascinated by anatomy and physiology and how the body works. But homeopathy, homeopathy brings to that just um, something really beautiful and, and um, to me homeopathy is medicine for the soul so when you work with a, a patient you aren't working with a disease you're working with you're doing soul therapy and nothing can touch the soul like homeopathy can and nothing can bring together the entire picture like homeopathy can so instead of seeing a person with a, a disease you see them as um just on a certain stage of their journey in life. And, um, you know, so I work a lot with people with fatigue and people who've gone through a lot of trauma. Um, and I work a lot with women who have been uh, sexually abused. And I find that often you can't take a person back to that abuse. You can't take them back to the, that instant or those many instances of trauma. And um, that's why they avoid going for ther- uh, like to psychotherapists or counsellors a lot because they don't want to relive it and they shouldn't have to. And that's where I find homeopathy beautiful. It, it holds people. It's, I, this is what I say to my patients is it doesn't take you back to where you've been. It holds you and keeps you safe and gives you strength to move forward and to let go of what you've been through. Um, so that's, yeah, homeopathy, it's just, there's so many layers to it. It works beautifully on a clinical, physical level, but it just works so much deeper than it, than anything I've worked with. Um, and, and I've been in natural health, yeah, 22 years now. So um, mm-hmm. I've been around the block <laughs> and I've, it always comes back to homeopathy. <laughs> well, you don't look much older than 22, so you're doing a great job. <laughs> Whatever you're doing, keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and you have two beautiful daughters as well, I believe. I do. I yeah. And um, how do they feel about homeopathy? Uh, do they use it much themselves? Because yeah. they're teenagers now, right? They're teenagers yeah. now, yes. Mm-hmm. So um, I've got a lot of pulsatilla going in the house at the moment. I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've got- you, you might. You might have to share the insider joke on that one because we're, we're talking to the general public, so they might not get the joke. Yes, the pulsatilla is a lovely remedy for hormonal teenagers. Uh, teenage <laughs> girls, sorry, teenage girls, where there's a lot of um, emotions and tears and ups and downs of moods, um, especially when they first start their periods and you know, mm. going through that. So, um, 
yeah, I have um, two teenage girls and they're beautiful. They, um, I've always used homeopathy on them um, and they actually know a lot, which is great. Um, they get, I think I drive them mad because I'm always going on about what they should be eating and stuff and um, there's quite a lot of arguments in our house because they love like the bubble teas and Coke, oh, frozen <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, I think homeopathy is just part of their part of their mm. lives, which is great. And and I have a very supportive husband, so that really helps. Yeah, I love that you're so real about the frozen coke because at the end of the day, we're all human, and it's all about balance. And you know, sometimes I see clients who they have immaculate diets; they only eat organic, they only eat vegan, they don't have any Wi-Fi in the house, everything's hardwired. You know, like just going to the op- complete other extreme of then actually making themselves so sick of stressing about having everything pure and perfect. But I think if we strive for balance, you can't really beat that because we still live in this world where we're exposed to Wi-Fi, we're exposed to, you know, so many different things from all angles. So we've got to kind of keep it real and keep it balanced and, you know, keep it realistic. Yes, yes. And, um, Mm You know, I used to do uh, a lot of work with people with cancer. That was um, something I really loved working with. And I saw it again and again, people who led perfect lives in terms of health. They ate very, very cleanly. They exercised. They, yeah, they, but they were neurotic about their health. Mm. And um, they ignored their emotions and they ignored um, their stress and their grief. Mm. And um, I do, I see it a lot. We, we think that to become healthy, we need to eat right. We need to um, exercise. We do need to do those things. We do. <laughs> In balance. But we need that balance. We need to really um, connect with ourselves and let, let ourselves be who we are instead of trying to suppress or repress mm. or be someone different as well. Absolutely. So, you know, just like as an example, if a friend was inviting you over for a coffee, but it happened to, you know, coincide with your um, 9am morning run, and you say no to your friend, because you have to do that run, like sometimes you need to go for the coffee with your friend, because you need that interaction, or, you know, like, just finding balance, um, I think in everything that's certainly become uh, my my thinking because I was somebody that was very all or nothing so I was very much the one side and then you know very much we were raised with pharmaceutical medication so I used to be very pro medical profession and then I studied natural medicine and then I was completely the opposite and probably lost a lot of friends because it. I think some of my views were very radical yeah. and then realized actually you need to be somewhere in the middle we need to take we need to do what keeps us happy healthy balanced um, and just um yeah, our mental, emotional well-being is so important as well. Yes, yes, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I also think, just going back to having teenage daughters and not being too extreme, um, I say this to a lot of my clients, uh, if you are too extreme in what they eat, it becomes a big fight and it becomes a fight mm. of control because kids, little little toddlers, they, they need their control and teenagers as well. So I, I like to say, um, and I, what I try to practice is to eat healthily at home, not to have too much rubbish at home. But when the kids go out, they can do what they like. Um, mm. But it's, you know, every day at home, if you eat pretty well, 
then once in a while it's fine to go out and you know enjoy that chocolate cake (laughs) absolutely and then actually really enjoy it and not feel guilty about it (laughs) (laughs) yeah um and I love uh I love what you're saying about you know eating healthy at home because I always say kids will do what you do they won't do what you say so setting always setting that example because they are going to look at what what you what your example is and what's mum doing not what she's saying what she what's she actually doing and that's what really leaves that imprint hey yes yes yeah um sorry we've completely gone off track but (laughs) um tell us a little bit more um have you got any other cases from your clinic perhaps that you that you um would like to share with our with our listeners or um anything else perhaps new that you've recently learned about homeopathy or that's um exciting for you at the moment or anything else that you want to share i yeah, and another case that's just come to mind is one I had a few years ago, um, and, and I, I thought I'll share it because I know a lot of the listeners are, are um, homeopaths or use homeopathy at home. It's um, Also, I had a client with chronic fatigue, and she came to me, and I am... Um, so, so it's, this is like keynote prescribing almost, but I was quite a, I was quite amazed at, at the results. I took a case and I really couldn't I couldn't see a um, a remedy. A, a lot of clients with fatigue, it's just generalized fatigue. There's nothing specific there. And so I just started chatting to her more about herself and her life and stuff. And, and um, this helped me realize the importance of getting to know your clients as a person and an individual instead of just instead of just looking for a remedy and instead of just looking at a disease. So I started chatting to her and she told me that she had um, nine, it was 19. This is in South Africa, so she had a big property. She had 19 cats. And I'm like, oh my gosh, are you a mad cat person? And and we started talking about cats because I love cats. And she said she um, they were all rescue cats. And that's when I thought, oh, 19 rescue cats. Okay, that's interesting. And I said, are you, a, you know, do you like to rescue everything? And she said, yes, actually, on her way to the clinic today to see me, she had stopped at a red traffic light. Um, in South Africa, the traffic light is always beggars. It's, it's quite mm-hmm. heartbreaking, but she had stopped the traffic light and there was a beggar and she just emptied her, the entire contents of her purse to the beggar. And I suddenly realized this is somebody, and then she started talking about, you know, um, sort of poverty and people's rights and, and us ethics. And I, and she really got really passionate about this. And I started thinking, oh, Causticum. Causticum yeah. would have been my first guess. <laughs> yes. And so then I just thought, I just want to double check this. So I, I said, um, I said, you, you've got nothing physically wrong with you. And she said, nothing. And I said, what about your hands and feet? Do you have any, um, any things like um, contractures or anything? And she said, actually, funny you asked it. And she showed me her hands and her feet were like this. Mm. You know, like all contracted. And I was like, oh, my gosh, Corsicum. So I gave her um, Corsicum M. I gave her three doses, one, one each morning for three days. And the next thing, she came into my reception a few days later saying, what did you give me? <laughs> I don't know what's happened. And she said this cloud that um, she'd also been prescribed a- antidepressants and she knew she didn't need them. And she said, 
that after the first powder, so she obviously didn't need the three doses, but I had given it, um, she said after the first powder, she said this cloud just lifted. This cloud wow. just lifted. And, um, yeah, she sent a lot of patients to me, which is great. But um, it just shows that sometimes we try to look too much for a disease picture in homeopathy mm. when actually you need to look at the person. You need to see mm. what they like and what they love and what they hate and, and stuff like that. Yeah. I've just thought of, of something fun to ask you. <laughs> and that is, you know, when people are new to homeopathy, they don't know the things that we need to know about them to be able to help them, if that makes sense. So we need to know some pretty random things about a person that they would never think to tell us, never, never in a million years you would think that this little bit of information is going to help this person, you know, prescribe the right remedy for me. So have you got some ideas for somebody listening to this at the moment thinking, I would like to go see a homeopath? What sort of homework can you give them? of things to think about that would be useful for their practitioner to know to help them? That's a good question. Sorry to spring this one on you, but I was just thinking, you know, people will be listening to this and they, yeah, there's things that we need to know in the clinic that they people just wouldn't think of telling us. So if you've got some yeah. bright ideas, sorry to spring this no, on you. No, someone should be on the website, actually. <laughs> More people can So I think, um, I think people, uh, Clients need to be aware that we will always ask about their childhood. And um, I think any loss or any trauma or any fright, and sometimes it can it, it can be a, something small and random, like um, maybe when you were a kid, you forgot your, your shoes at home and you went to school and you got into trouble, and it really affected you. So things that if I ask you what – what memory do you have in your life of something that really upset you? The first thing that comes to mind, write it down, bring that into your homeopath because it doesn't always have to be a big thing. It's got to be what really sticks in your mind. Um, I also think it's really important for homeopaths to know what foods you love and what you don't like. And people often think that's such a weird question. Mm-hmm. But if you've got a buffet of food in front of you, all the food in the world, and you can eat any of it, so don't think about health, but think about what you love, what would you choose, and um, what do you really not like, what would you not eat. Uh, I think foods really help homeopaths and, you know, just sort of refine everything down to the right remedy. Um, and what else? So, Mm, whether you love animals, how you feel towards animals, that, that's a big one as well. And, of course, dreams. Just what kind of yes. dreams you have and the, the feel in your dreams as well. Mm-hmm. Now, are you anxious? Are you laughing? Are you feeling out of control? Mm-hmm. Feeling in your dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always say to people what – like they will say their dreams and I will ask them what does that mean to you yeah. because, you know, you can get books about dreams and it will tell you it means this and that, but at the end of the day it's what the dream signifies for that client that really it makes yes. – yeah. yeah, and be prepared to talk a lot about your poos, wheeze, periods, snot, anything coming out of your body. <laughs> We're going to be talking about the color, the consistency, the smell, the frequency. <laughs> Exactly. Children love that topic, but adults don't. Often. And, you know, you can see that when you start talking about, you know, stools and people start tensing up, that even that 
gives you an idea of the type of remedy that person is because some people will be very open to talk about their stool straight away and other people will just clam up. And I always say to people, we, we can almost we can just talk about anything you like because sometimes just even the way they say it or the way they hold their body or the, the words that they use, do they swear a lot or do they use one particular word a lot? All of that can give us a clue as to, you know, what remedy can help the person. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I actually um, I had a new client recently and I've been really struggling with her case. Um, she's got a severe lung infection. And when she first came to me, I was so um, worried about the lung infection that we just focus on the infection and I gave her um, remedies and they've made no difference at all. <laughs> and then I started stressing and I called it, I asked her to come back actually last Friday. So I don't know how she's doing yet. And I said to her, I don't want you to talk about your, um, your lungs at all. I don't want to know about your cough. Let's just talk about you. Mm-hmm. And we started talking and then she started talking about her mum and I noticed that every time she spoke about her mom, she would start coughing. Ah. So then I just started asking her more questions, tell me more about the mom. And as she started speaking, she got this terrible coughing fit, terrible, terrible coughing fit. And um, she couldn't stop coughing. And I, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to take her to the hospital. And she said, please just get me um, some boiling water. And I said, I said um, she says, Boiling water is the only th- hot hot water is the only thing that stops me coughing, and I said to her, um, "Hot hot, or should I put some water in so it's lukewarm?" She said, "No, as hot as possible." So then I gave her the hot water, and she stopped coughing. And then we spoke more about her mom. And as she spoke, everything was about being trapped. And then I said, "Okay, let's let me just repetize this." So I only took two rubrics. I looked at um, mind or delusions trapped. Mm-hmm. And um, cough better for hot water, and rust tox came up. So I, I would never ever have thought of rust tox for her cough. And then I read mm-hmm. the cough, and it was like actually word for word of what she's got. So wow. I'll let you know. But that's what I've given her now, and hopefully that'll that'll help because nothing else has helped. <laughs> Amazing. And um, I'm just uh, you know for people listening to this, mm-hmm. that's why the follow ups are so important because sometimes we just need to get to know you a little bit better. Sometimes we need to know what's quirky about you, what sort of things trigger you, what sort of you know, like just kind of you kind of um I don't know how you would describe it kind of mesh with that person's soul in a way almost like you just you know trying to experience what it is that they're experiencing so you can find the remedy out of the 8,000 plus remedies that has that energy in it to help them so sometimes you know we get it straight away but sometimes you just need to really get to sit with that person a bit and get to know them a little bit better and sometimes that does mean spending a few hours with them so it'll be an initial and a few follow-ups to really get to the bottom of the essence of what it is that they um you know what it is that they need where the healing needs to happen so yeah yeah. yes that's it um yeah and it it is difficult because people expect because you hear so many wonderful stories about homeopathy people expect a a cure after one powder Mm -hmm. and it doesn't always happen (laughs) actually very seldom Mm -hmm. happens Mm. and um that's why the follow-up and honest feedback, um, sometimes you get people who just want to please you and they say, yes, yes, I'm feeling much better. And they're not. And, mm. and I always say, please just be honest. Just be completely yeah. honest. If there's been no change, we'll change the remedy. If there's been mm. a slight change, we know we're on the right track. Mm-hmm. So, 
yeah, we need that honesty. Yeah, we wouldn't do this if we had fragile egos. So yeah, be honest with us because that helps us to help you. So absolutely, I couldn't agree more. And you do have the people pleasers that will just say, oh yeah, I feel better. And you're like, really, really? (laughs) So um, no, but then obviously, yeah, you do get those miraculous um, improvements as well. But more, more often than not, it does take time of, and sometimes it can be such odd things. Like it can be, you know, uh, Hilary Dorian actually gave this example once where she was treating a lady, uh, I think it was, I can't remember what for, I think it was for eczema. And uh, this, uh, she did a phone consult one day because the lady couldn't come in. She had seen her for lots and lots of follow-ups and nothing was working. And then this one day she was uh, going past the lady's house to drop something off. And then she realized the lady lives in a, in an airplane flight path. And of course, They've got all this petrol dumping on them. And she realized this is where this lady's living. So it's a maintaining cause. She's got these airplanes going over her, dropping this jet fuel. And she gave her the remedy petroleum, which is made from petrol. And apparently that was a miraculous cure. So, you know, like there was probably nothing that the lady could have said in the consult that would have maybe triggered it. But actually going to her home saying, oh, oh, this is where you live. This is what happens to you every single day. Let's give you this remedy. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it can be the little (laughs) magical thing. And so often in the last two minutes of the consult, when you say, okay, now we're done. And the person's like, oh, I need to go off to this or that. And you're like, where are you going? Oh, okay. We need to talk about that. (laughs) So yeah, it can be often the offhand um, comments, hey, that can really get you to that right remedy. Yes. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. um, actually you're saying that reminds me when I studied homeopathy, um, my diagnostics lecturer, she, she was amazing. And she said that the remedy often comes in the last like two or three minutes of the consult because, um, and she says often when you are um, sort of doing a physical exam of your clients and it's, it's so true. I've, I've taken <clears throat> cases for an hour, an hour and a half. And at the very, very end, when I'm just checking the client physically, they just will say, oh, by the way, and I know when they say that, that they're going to give me something big that um, um, I've never shared this before or whatever, but this happened mm. to me. Um, so, yeah, it's often just at, just in the last few minutes that people actually, mm. they realize that something that happened, whatever, is so vital to their case, and, and they've got the, mm-hmm. the trust to share it as well. Or sometimes it can be a few consults along as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of things that clients say that get me very excited. One of it is I've never told anyone yeah. this before. The second one is this is going to sound really strange. <laughs> and the third one is I don't know if this is worth mentioning. Yes. Yes. <laughs> when they preface with that, then I'm like, yes, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> yes. And, and um, to, to all the, the your clients out there, um, nothing sounds strange to a homeopath. We love nothing strange, We've- bizarre things. I always, I always joke and say we have got a. This is actually true, so it's not a joke, but it's true. We have a what we call a rubric, which is our symptoms that are in our. We often have we have computer software that we use to put your symptoms in, and then it tells us which remedies relate to that. And those symptoms are called rubrics. And we have one rubric uh, in this software that says he feels that he has been commanded by a mushroom to fall on his sword and kill himself. <laughs> and that is the remedy made from the agaricus mushroom, the fly agaric with the red mushroom with the white dots. And I am still waiting 10 years later for that client to come in and say, I've never told anyone about this before. Every time I open the fridge door and I see the mushroom, I feel like it's going to tell me to fall on my sword and kill myself. So basically what we're saying, there's nothing that you can tell a homeopath. It's going to sound too weird. We've heard it all. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, Ruth, I was just going to chat because you did your training in South Africa, right? Yes. And they have very rigorous training over there. I think it would be, you know, equivalent to um, to in India and I think South America where they actually train alongside medical doctors. Yes. So can you tell me a little bit about your training that you received? Yes. Um, at the time, I didn't realize how lucky I was to receive such training. But now that I, I'm here, I realize how lucky I was. Uh, so it is a five-year full-time degree. Um, and when I say full-time, I mean 8 a.m. till 5, sometimes 6 p.m., five days a week. Um, wow. The first three years are the same as medicine in South Africa. So the first three years is mainly your anatomy, physiology, pathology, diagnostics. Um, you have a full body to dissect, two years of dissection. It's incredible. I, I loved it. Histology, epidemiology, it was just, I loved it. So that's the first three years, and you do a little bit of um, homeopathic philosophy as well. And then the last three years are more um, homeopathy, uh, nutrition. You do nutrition. You do um, phytotherapy, which is herbs. Um, you do your tissue salts, your batch flower remedies, iridology. And um, in those last um, – the, in your last three years, so your third, fourth, and fifth year, you also work in clinic. Um, being overseen all the time. So you work at the, the uh, university I was at, had a lovely clinic. And you also go to government hospitals as well on the wards. You do ward rounds and government clinics in the rural areas. So really, really hands-on. Wow. And then after your five years, you've got two years to do a master's thesis, write up a master's thesis, and carry on getting your patient hours if you haven't finished that. So carry on at clinics. So it's very, very in-depth training. Um, yeah, I appreciate it now. I, I did lots of cursing and swearing at the time, <laughs> but I, I appreciate it now. Yeah. That's incredible. The medical doctors that study alongside you, when you said about you studying nutrition, do they also do nutrition, the medical doctors? No, no. So um, so we do the same as, the, as medical doctors the first three years, yeah. but ours is purely having in the homeopathy department so there's no medical doctors mm. in the homeopathy department yeah i was just thinking how what a shame that is that the doctors don't learn about nutrition as well no. because it seems like such a fundamental thing isn't it yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a pity. wow it's a pity um yeah. and what's great would... is uh a lot of the um well actually i knew two homeopaths who trained uh, a year and ahead of me who were actually training at one of the universities in anatomy and physiology, the medical doctors afterwards. So I thought that was quite cool. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so is there, what is the message that you would like to get out there to the general public, anyone listening to this podcast? What, have you got any messages about health, homeopathy, well-being that you would like to get across? Yes, I think um at the end of the day, your health is in your own hands. Um, don't try and make anyone else responsible for it. And um, and take it slowly. Realize that health is just, it's a journey. And we don't have to be perfect. Nobody is perfect. Nobody is completely healthy. And I think, actually, this just come to my mind, but um, every... Every illness, every symptom is giving us a little message. It's um, you know, so so when you are sick, don't um, don't see it as as a weakness or as if you're losing a 
battle or anything like that. See it as your body and your soul are just trying to tell you something. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so listen, listen to your, listen to your body, listen to your, listen to the symptoms and see, and see what they're saying. I love that message so much. There's that Louise Hay book, You Can Heal yes. Your Life. And she, um, yeah, and there's more, more and more practitioners coming out with how, depending on what area of your body is, is a disease, yes. you know, the, as to the message. So often, you know, the breasts will be to do with nurturing and mothering and all that sort of stuff. And um, this is a little bit offbeat, but as you said that, I was just thinking about, there's the ute that I often drive past and it's got this big sticker on the back with a pink ribbon and it says, F-U cancer. And whenever I see that, I get really sad because I think, like people think it's something to be fought, but actually it's give, it's a lesson that you need to learn from. And that's why often this cutting out a disease part of the body or just, you know, trying to suppress it somehow, the body's it's t- trying to teach you something. It's trying to make you grow. It's trying to make you learn. So yeah. just cutting it out or suppressing it or trying to make it, you know, go away in some way. It's always going to come back because until you've learned that lesson that goes along with what your body's trying to tell you by expressing these symptoms, until you learn that life lesson or that, you know, it's um, going to keep on coming back. So, yeah, sorry, that's offbeat. But just whenever I see this, I think I feel really sad for that person because they're not, they're not seeing that this can actually be something that you can grow from and, and heal yes. from and learn from. Yes, that, that's it. That's it. Yeah. And I think if you see your illness or your health condition as something you can learn from and grow from and um and improve on improve on it's it's telling you that it's your body's telling you it's not happy with something so find out what it is heal that and then the symptoms will go away yes and actually i have um so i tend to run myself into the ground i'm very good at that and i have um a little signal from my body when i know i'm getting run down it's i get a sore throat and i just it just won't go away no matter what and i ignore it ignore it ignore it then i gargle and I do this and I do that and it still doesn't shift and then I remember actually I need to slow down (laughs) we need to listen to our bodies yeah absolutely absolutely now just uh, to finish off on a little bit of fun tell me your top three remedies for you personally and why okay so my top three remedies um the ones that have changed my life I think are firstly um Ignatia I am I've lost a lot of people in my life, so I've had a lot of grief. And Ignatia, it um, it shifted something in me. The first time I was given it, I was given Ignatia 10M. And I, like my one poor patient who I gave it to, I cried for like three days without stopping. I had to, um, I couldn't go into work on the Monday because my husband said I looked like I'd been beaten up. <laughs> my eyes were so puffy. But it shifted like nothing else could. It just helped me move forward. So Ignatia is, I love it, for grief and loss. Um, mm-hmm. Carcinosin as well is my mm-hmm. other remedy. Um, for, yeah, car- carcinosin is a remedy for people who, um, who, who grow up with a lot of stress, who grow up in a stressful, mm-hmm. stressful environment and who... Lots of pressure. Yes, a lot of pressure mm-hmm. and who don't... Carcinosin was first described to me as um, a person who feels that they're a little island and that they constantly need to try and protect themselves and mm-hmm. they don't realise how that they are actually powerful and strong and they don't need to keep fighting and trying mm-hmm. to protect themselves. 
Mm-hmm. So carcinogens, a beautiful remedy. And then mm-hmm. I think for me, bryonia, because I tend to overwork mm-hmm. and overdo things. And, <laughs> and um, I, yeah, bryonia is my other remedy. Amazing. So. <laughs> now, um, before we say goodbye, Ruth, tell our listeners how they can get hold of you, your books, your work, where, where can they engage with you? So you can find me at ruthhull.com. That's R-U-T-H-H-U-L-L.com. Uh, my books are on there. My books are also available on Amazon and bookdepository.com. And um, my online courses, I'm going to be doing a lot of online courses, um, mainly in anatomy and physiology. Um, so if you are interested in learning anatomy and physiology, then um, I haven't got it on my website yet, but in January it'll all be up. Um, but just join my mailing list on retail.com. Mm-hmm. If you subscribe to my mailing list, then I can keep you up to date with all my online courses. And I am on Facebook and Instagram, sort of. I'm not very good at it. <laughs> it's Retail Natural Therapies. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, it's been super fun chatting with you today. Thank you so much for your time, and we'll catch up again very soon. Yes, thanks, Eugenie. Thank you for your time. <laughs> okay.